0: this is liz reed this is my podcast called liz life guru i'm a practicing therapist here in michigan this show will focus on addiction mental health issues from beginning to end i am also in recovery for the past 20 years and i have plenty of topics that can help you from a to z so let's get started Gina, good to see you. Hello. Body dysmorphia over one of uh, the weirdest, I don't know, and interesting and complex type of mental health disorders that I see on a regular basis. Body dysmorphia is more about physical appearance, hyper-focused on how you look, and things that are really not noticeable to others. Now, this is not to be confused with anorexia, which is a fear of food, or bulimia, which is binging and purging, which I think a lot of people think they're the same thing or they're all kind of lumped into the same group. Have you heard of body dysmorphia?
1: I have, and I do think that I can identify with some of it. Really? I do.
0: So this is free therapy for me today. Well, that works. It works for both of us, right? Right. It's a perceived fixation on flaws, and it is very difficult to control. So, according to the Cleveland Clinic and the National Eating Disorders Association, checking mirrors obsessively, um, you're overwhelmed with flawed negative thoughts and ruminating thoughts about your appearance. And a lot of this can partially, well, can be that plastic surgery is what you would just need. And then the next thing you know, you need something else done and something else done. So, this kind of carries over into a couple different categories. What do you know about body dysmorphia or how does that affect you in some way?
1: So there's a few things in there that I wasn't expecting for you to say because yeah. in so let's do some clarification sure. based on what my thought of what this is. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be and and maybe this is part of it. I thought it was more and how you see yourself. For example, I have lost weight over the last year. Yes. I know based on the size of the tags of the clothes I wear now that I'm small. Sure. But when I look at myself in the mirror, I don't see myself as a small person.
0: Mm -hmm. So that's a distorted view of yourself. Okay, so that's different. Well, it goes along with it. It goes along with body dysmorphia. So body dysmorphia is a distorted view of yourself. Okay, You're finding, picking out flaws that other people would naturally not even recognize in you or see or pay any attention to. I think often we feel that everybody's hyper-focused on us, watching us, looking at us and seeing, you know, what we see. But right. in fact, people are just more worried about themselves. Wouldn't you say that? Yes. Sure. So one of the things is, is that excessively checking yourself and worried about one small area of your body or maybe all of your body can be truly crippling. Have you ever found uh, occasion to want to cover that area, keep whatever it may be?
1: Oh, um, definitely.
0: Yeah. A lot of women suffer yeah. from that some men but of course mostly women we are always doing something like that yeah so,
1: I think we think oh I'm just gonna cover that up maybe no one will notice that I'm
0: mm-hmm. and then we have rituals that go along with it sure avoiding mirrors and taking pictures have you ever known somebody who's like oh my god don't take that picture of me I, mm-hmm. you know I need to check it first we've talked about that on the show before mm-hmm. um, before you could even um, use it excessive exercise excessive grooming um, like I said, plastic sh- surgery, um, comparing yourself to others. So people can find themselves in a room full of people that may have their own flaws, but they can only hyper-focus on their own, right? So we, like you were talking about, plenty of people that um, uh, have lost weight, that were heavy at one time, mm-hmm. a lot of times their brain doesn't change is mm-hmm. the way they think about themselves. And so they... Tear themselves up, ridicule themselves, and I don't know if you've ever known somebody who was a heavier person and lost a lot of weight or had plastic surgery or something like that, and they turn out to be a little more aggressive. Have you ever met anybody like okay. that? No, not not that can happen. Really, and why is that that they? <clears throat> well, they've developed a a defense mechanism oh. on their weight, right? Mm. So, plenty of people that are like, I'm comfortable with my weight, but but ideally they want to lose weight, right? But they can't. So, they develop, develop a defense mechanism to shield them from anybody who might potentially hurt their feelings. So, even in a thin body, they're still thinking as though they're an overweight person and can become very aggressive and angry.
1: So, it's more of a defense of who they were yeah, as they are accepting who mm-hmm. they are becoming.
0: hmm A lot of people with body dysmorphia compare themselves to others, as I was saying, ask others for validation. So this can be really taxing uh, to constantly have somebody or know somebody that you love and care about, who, do I look okay? Do I look all right? Um, You know, I can't get dressed to go out to a party because I have to change my clothes three or four times before we even go. And then a lot of people end up not even going Mm -hmm. because they feel they aren't presentable enough for this, right? And we're not here by any means fat shaming, or thin shaming, or any of those things. All of this boils down to being okay with who you are in the body that you are in, right? People like Christina Applegate, she's a famous star, right? She has MS now, I believe it's MS, and the medication that she's taking now has put on a tremendous amount of weight on her. So she has to be okay with living in her body as a heavier person and all of us have to be that we all have to be able to accept ourselves for who we are and how we feel about ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. We have to understand that this is what we were given and this is what we, um, will project ourselves. This is how we're going to be happy within our lives. Um, One of the things is, though, there's people like myself who who couldn't lose weight after menopause forever and ever, and one of the greatest things I wanted for myself was a healthier life, a lighter life, and to lose the weight. Yes, I'm vain to some degree. I do wholeheartedly admit to that, but I just want it. I want the weight for myself to make me feel better. Somebody with body dysmorphia, this is a critical life or death situation. This can even lead to suicide with their ability to find nothing but flaws within themselves. How does it get started? Well, you know, that's kind of interesting. When we talk about getting started with body dysmorphia, it can potentially come from different things associated with um, how you were raised how your parents talked to you, um, something that bullying, something that somebody pointed out to you at a young age that carried on through the rest of your life. You know, often I talk about zero to seven as being our formative years, correct? And how you were handled, how people treated you and talked to you during that time, specifically teachers. You're a teacher, you understand that, right? Mm -hmm. Teachers, parents, um, your friends, family members, how they speak to you really kind of concretes in your way of thinking going forward throughout your life. So if you feel you have a big nose or you feel that you have a stomach or you feel that you're too chubby, that kind of carries through you through your life. And it's how you accept it understand it, and move forward with it. So this is a crippling, disabling thing. This is really bad for a lot of people. Obviously, through cognitive behavioral therapy, which we talk about constantly on here, is super helpful. But this also entails some degree of medication to help manage the stress and the anxiety that goes along with it and the suicidal ideation. Because if if it wasn't this one thing, then it would be something else.
1: Do people who suffer from this do they focus on one part of their body and then does it, is it the, then they might change to another? I mean, do they, or do, is it always the same body issue? Well,
0: it could start with one thing. Like look at, look at people that are addicted to plastic surgery, Mm. you know, um, Mm -hmm. they've had, and I've had plastic surgery, so I know all about it and I'm free to speak about it at any point. Um, but it, the, people that are addicted to plastic surgery it's never right. it's never good. I mean, look at Michael Jackson's nose. I mean, it was like gone by the end of by the time he passed. For many women and men that continually are fixing one spot, well, if I just lose the weight, I'll be better, or if I just have this fix, I'll be fine. but that's not it so
1: uh, the excessive plastic surgery, people who are doing that to fix their, you know, their eyes and their nose and yeah. their hips. And all, is that people, is that a um,
0: form of body form dysmorphia? Of, right. Yes, absolutely. Okay. You never are, uh, you're never comfortable with your appearance. You're always working on your appearance. You're always thinking that if this one other thing is fixed, then the rest of me will be, then I'll be okay. So the if then statement, yeah. if
1: I fix then this, then I'll feel better. hmm
0: Absolutely. And so the the first thing about body dysmorphia is understanding that you have a problem. And this carries through with a million different mental health issues that anybody would have is recognizing you have a problem. And how do we... I mean, you see people in...
1: Uh, you see on documentaries and you see people on, on in, uh, social media and they, they are constantly um, having surgery or fixing this or tweaking that. How do... I mean, how... At what point is, is it the responsibility of the doctor who continues to do this this surgery yeah. to say enough is enough?
0: Well, that's why we see people heading well now people are getting sued for that, because people are dying. If you, I don't know if you've caught on the news, several different people have died of plastic surgery complications. Mm-hmm. Um, people that wanted to look that like that recently, the one who likes to look like um, Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. She died with her last plastic surgery. She did look mm-hmm. a lot like her, but her last plastic surgery was too much and she ended up dying. That's why a lot of people will go to other countries for plastic surgery. And of course, if you look long and hard enough, somebody's going to take the money. You know, they are. And that's... And that's a scary thing. And they will be held responsible to some degree, but once again, you're signing away your life when you're signing all those documents saying, you know, yes, I, you know, I comply that something could go wrong and blah, blah, blah. And if something does, then, you know, it's not your fault, that kind of thing. A lot of people sign those documents. You have to before you have any type of corrective surgery of some kind, but that's not what the problem is. It's not somebody's loose skin, it's not somebody's bad nose if they feel it's a bad nose or their eyelids or their jowls or whatever it may be or something that you wouldn't even notice. Um, It's the way they view themselves, their mental health journey that they have. So um, as we were talking about, um, the first thing is recognizing the behavior. Your behavior, how is, you know, do you understand that you look and feel this way? This is just like any other addiction or intervention that you would do, you would talk to this person, get with family members, and say, "Listen, we are really worried about you. You're in crisis. You know, you're you're hyper focused on your appearance. Your world is getting smaller and smaller. You're not going out. You're more focused on your looks and what you need to do with your, you know, the way your body looks than you are going to school or interacting with other people, enjoying your life, taking vacations. You know, those kinds of things are the red flags." You know, there's lots of different red flags for yourself. What do you, you know, you don't have to tell us exactly what you ruminate about, but what does your thought process look like? Cuz that's our downfall, our thought process.
1: Right. I think that probably for me, and again, you said this is a little different. When I look yeah. in the mirror, I don't see myself as small. Like, small. Uh-huh. I don't I you know, I always think, "Oh, I could lose 5 more pounds." Sure. So that's a little different yeah, cuz I'm not nipping or tucking or doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a little different, but I think that I, you know, that's what, how I look at it. I don't see myself as small, even though I, like I said before, the sizes say I am, I don't see it as that.
0: And that's very common with weight loss. Yeah. So it's a little
1: different. And I, so I would say I'm not the extreme where I have to go get something done. Like, you know, okay, I know my stomach, I wish my stomach were flatter. Let's Mm -hmm. go with that. I wish Mm -hmm. my stomach were flatter, but I'm, but it's not enough to go do something about it, you know, to, yeah help flatten it out. At best I might put it on a pair of spanks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure,
0: sure. So it's not sure. it's
1: not as extreme as I hear you saying it. Mm-hmm. it could be. It could be. But I think it's good in in hearing this conversation so it keeps, you know, it keeps you in check, keeps me in check that mm-hmm. you don't get to that point like
0: yes. You know, but you a lot of people that that you know that uh, that is quite common not knowing uh that you're smaller when you've been living at a certain weight for mm-hmm. a very long time that you know you know, I've lost weight, right? I've lost 22 pounds. My husband will say to me, my God, you know, look at you in this and that. And I'm like, I'm not really seeing that, really? Right. You know, he'll say, when you used to do this or that, you you look so much smaller now, so much smaller now. And I don't really see it. I don't really think about it. And that's rather common. So it's kind of one of those red, repetitive things of people will often say they go in to go buy clothes and are still picking up extra larges. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "This, what am I doing putting this on? This isn't even the right size. So time and consistency and understanding where you are in your weight loss journey is super important. Not to mention there's this, you know, we develop a fear of gaining weight again. So we kind of protect ourselves by saying, you know, if I do, it's it's going to have to be okay because I'm not as comfortable as I thought I would be at a lighter weight. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes along with that. Um, and, and by the way, not everybody can afford to have surgery. So for people with body dysmorphia, if it's come to this critical point, which is also a component of anxiety and depressive disorders, um, they may... Uh, go into a a serious depressive disorder and suicidal ideation goes along with that anxiety disorder as well, Um, panic attacks, so on and so forth, where just being in social anxiety, being out there in the world with other people is very difficult for them. And and is that because they can't
1: afford to do the surgery they want to do? And so it, exasperates other areas it could it could
0: or it's not even an option it doesn't matter because even if they had the surgeries it wouldn't cure this so the awareness that you have a problem that this is a fear that you have is the most important thing so like i said with the family intervention sees or or friends of you see just how incredibly small your world is getting Mm. it gets smaller and smaller and smaller where you don't want to go out, you don't want to do things because of this fear of people noticing a flaw in you. So the interesting part about all of this is it all trails back, no matter what we are dealing with in our lives, to our mental health and how we view ourselves and the dialogue that we carry within our own brain has how we perceive ourselves and how we carry ourselves and what we do. I talk often about the neural transmitters in the brain and how we have neural pathways in there that are designed from the time we're born on how we are going to look at ourselves, speak to ourselves, and what our internal dialogue is gonna look like. So when you're in CBT therapy, which would be very helpful for somebody with this situation, it teaches you how to melt that record player down if you look at it like that, as I always do. Take the needle off and put a new record down. And start creating new neural pathways that say, I'm not a big fan of, I love myself, I'm beautiful. (laughs) I just can't do that, right? But I can say, you know what? I look good. I'm going to be okay. It's not something anybody else is noticing. That's just me being critical of myself. I am fine the way I am. If somebody doesn't like my appearance, I dare them to say something to me. It would be the rudest thing in the world. And I will shame them far harder than I can shame myself. This is, you know, I have to be kind to me. This is, this is my life. I want to be able to live better. I want to be able to experience more. I want to be able to go outside. I want to have a full life. And this is crippling my life. And I'm not going to allow it to cripple me. So it takes about two and a half minutes to end any kind of repetitive ruminating thought. So when you start feeling like this, you start seeing your brain, you start hearing your brain talking to you, expressing this internal dialogue, which by the way, we would never let anybody talk to us like that, yet we talk to ourselves in that way. Then you stop yourself. No, 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 we're not going down this road again. I'm going to stop myself right here. I'm going to get up and move around. I'm going to say some more positive things to myself and start creating new pathways in the brain. So that's very important. So this can all be made a lot easier. And there's plenty of hope out there to fix all of this. And you can, and it can be a lot easier if you have a therapist that you work with that helps you to think more positive, use more positive affirmations with yourself. And one of the other things I always say is fake it till you make it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, mm-hmm. good advice. <laughs> what is the biggest obstacle to get started?
0: Accepting yourself. Mm. Absolutely, accepting yourself. I mean, listen, it isn't easy. It is not easy to say to ourselves, I think I'm fine just the way I am. But you know what? Everybody feels that way. Everybody has some criticism of themselves. Everybody thinks differently of themselves. Everybody feels they could improve I strongly encourage anybody, if you want to, if you want to improve your looks, if you want to work out more, eat better, hit the gym, lift weights. Um, if you want to have a little nip and tuck and you can afford it, go ahead. Just know an, when it gets to obsession. I was going to say, but you're saying when it becomes
1: excessive.
0: Excessive. And, and your world starts coming in on you, then that's not any way to go. So I guess the lesson here is is if you're feeling that this is becoming crippling, if this is your world's getting smaller, if the things you're doing to make yourself feel better aren't there, then I want you to start writing down what you're saying to yourself. Because often we don't even realize we're saying this to ourselves. So write down, I look this way, I look that way, I don't like this, I don't like that. Be aware in black and white on paper which is, you know, my book, uh, Leave Your Shit Here on Amazon is perfect for. You can write down how you feel, how you think, and how you're doing and why you feel and think that way. It'll take you step by step through there. You can do it yourself at home on a pad of paper and just change that dialogue around. And it doesn't have to be all incense and peppermint. I love myself. I'm so, you know, incredibly fabulous. It's just more of a practical approach of I'm doing the best I can. I look the best I can. I'm doing the best that I can with what I have. And self-acceptance, that's the most important thing. For most people, just knowing who they are and what they need to do is three quarters of the battle. And like I always say, get yourself a really good therapist. Thank you, Gina. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace treatment or diagnosis by a qualified mental health professional.